Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, two guys at a mic show. Hope you had an outstanding weekend. We are back at you like a bad dream. We keep popping up every Monday at 10 o'clock, and we stay with you right until the end of the week. Every day, Monday through Friday, five days a week, just one hour a day. That's five in total. You get a weekend break, and then after a 48-hour break, the coach and the big dog are back at you again. we got lots to talk about in the world of sports, including a huge Stanley Cup Blackhawk hockey game. Right here in the fine city of Chicago, as we host at the United Center. Let's hope we have better luck because the last four times this year that the Phoenix Coyote have visited our Chicago Blackhawk, they won all four. So we got to break that streak. But uh, let's welcome in my good partner, the big dog, Joel Radwinski, who will be, I hope, with myself at the playbook tonight, hosting the Chicago Blackhawk show. And big dog rule number one is when the game is on, we must be quiet. How are you, my friend? Uh, that's not going to be any type of problem whatsoever. I am going to be watching the game, so you won't have to worry about me jabbering and blabbering. This, yep. uh, and, and the simple fact that we have to talk in 15-minute uh, uh, excrements, I like to say, and uh, <laughs> and, and during our, the 15-minute excrements of us speaking, it's, we're only going to be speaking during cup commercials. So with, tonight's appearance, we're probably going to be speaking a total of like 10 minutes uh, the whole entire night. But got, it's uh, going to be like ridiculous intensity during those 10 minutes, if you know what I'm talking I about. Don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I got no problem talking over Steve Conrad in between the periods. Uh, I don't think uh, the, any of the, the Eastern European girls or uh, Indian <laughs> men that are going to be there tonight have any problem. I mean, that's basically the crowd there, guys. So if you like Eastern European girls, yes. you might want to go. Wait, is it Eastern European girls and Indian guys, or is it Indian guys and Eastern European girls? I always get confused. You said exactly the same thing, Coach. Ah, Okay. Thank you very much. But I'm not here to insult anybody. Thank you very much. Well, we we know at least one listener will be there. I was informed about 47 times over the weekend via the social media network that Back Hair Bob will be there, and he's anxious to, to meet you, Big Dog. And he, spe- he specifically mentioned you, by the way. Thank God. Well, luckily, I won't be there this year. What? Or tonight. This year, man, is going to be there, not me. Oh, so it's all thank good. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Wow. By the way, you'll be happy to know I'm attempting, attempting a recommitment to the social media. You remember when we first started this show, I tried to learn it. I did a little bit. Tweeting in particular, I kind of, I just dropped off the Twitter, um, the Twitter landscape almost completely the past five or six months, but David also with a little bit of your inspiration, big dog talking to you. I have a recommitment to advertising our show via Twitter. Thank you very much. Well, I only got this commitment because of one David Olson coach. Ah, well, that's what and, a good producer uh, should do. He should uh, not only inquire, but he should inspire. And I'm I'm on your Twitter page now, and as I can see, your following has like quadrupled in the past week it's it's more than that it was at i when i it was at eight at monday eight people 
was where my Twitter account was on Monday of at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started doing this, Coach. So when this show was done at 11 is yeah. when I started my, my week. And my goal for the week was to get 40 people. And then my goal was to increase it every single week. Well, the beautiful thing is I got more people every single Like the first day I got five, mm-hmm. and the second day 10, and then 15. And it's gotten bigger every day. I, like yesterday, I gained about 20 followers. I now, to be accurate. There's like, oh, that's a big deal. Well, I haven't been arrested or accused of murdering anybody, or nor have <laughs> I, uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and every day, it's gotten bigger. So it's good. I'm, I'm starting to figure and, this out. And you do, you're, you're doing it the right way. It's because you're interacting with the people that are connecting with you, and you're starting conversations with people, and they're, they're See, retweeting what you're saying, and that's how you're picking up the followers. I haven't figured that part out yet. So, Dave, if I, like, I, this morning, just to, you know, in my recommitment to excellence here on the Twitter, I tried, like, um, replying to people. Now, if they reply to me, where does that conversation show up? On my regular? Yeah, it'll be right in your timeline. And does everybody see it? The yeah. only people, the only people that'll see it are the people that are following you and following that person. Okay, so they. Okay, but if you say something that the guy likes, he retweets it to all his followers, then everybody can see it. It's Wait, like just got me. Yeah. Let, no, let's no, no, say no, you... let, let's say me and Joe Camel have uh, fifty people in common. Okay, yes. now I respond to Joe Camel, and Joe Camel responds to my response. So that'll show up on my regular Twitter feed. Yes. Hey, two guys at a mic. I agree with what you said, or blah, blah, blah. Do the other 50 in common people see that same yes. tweet? Yes. Yes. Okay, so here's what will happen. Joe, Joe Camel's people, the 50 that follow you will yep. see the initial comment and nothing else. And the oh. other, all his other followers will not see it. But if he retweets it, then all of his followers see it. So that's the way like, Retweets, but not re- – so if he just replies, then I'm the only one that sees it. No, no, if he replies, everybody – if he replies, all of his his followers oh, okay. will see it too. Okay. Well, why on my – when I follow my board, why do I never see anybody else's conversation? Oh, only if you have both of their people in it. Then you would see the whole conversation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And so if you want to see the conversation, you have to go to that person's individual individual timeline, and then you can view the conversation. Oh, that, that, now, now you've thrown a curveball. So on my regular tweets that I get, I won't see responses from, let's say I've got uh, Cardinal fan Bob and baseball fan Joe, both I'm following, and they're having a conversation. Will I see that on my regular tweets? Only you'll see the you'll see the original comment yeah. when it comes up, and then you can open up the conversation. Ah, so I yeah. have to do something different. You have to, yeah, uh, yeah. That's different than what you said, Big yeah. No, 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 no. It's not different at all. You did. Well, yeah, you were, it is. No, you were too busy trying to ask the next question instead of listening to the answer. Is what but you, you were But doing. you never said I had to hit a, a different. I button. never got. I never was. I was never able to finish the whole entire thing. I was. You cut me off before I finished it. The point is, is that in order to gain followers, you do want to contact. The Bruce Miles, the Gordon Whitmires, because what happened is, okay, their people will not see your stuff, but you're taking the chance of sending a 10-second uh, message or reply to the guy, and then he laughs and replies back to you, and everybody all of a sudden sees your your conversation. So I've sent at least 100 of these comments to Phil Rogers, Paul mm-hmm. Sullivan, all these guys, and I've gotten about 10 of them, about 10% back. They'll comment back, and as soon as that happens, like five of those people followers will follow me, like immediately after. All right, so, so I, I need to. you got to keep on. You gotta keep on doing it. Okay, I, I'm still a little unclear. I will have to clarify that after the show. When does our show start, by the way? Are we on you? Yeah, oh, around in about two minutes. Oh. <laughs>
<laughs> I love taking care of business on the air, Big Dog. It's I, I love. Well, see, with you, it's actually kind of entertaining because you're so far behind social media. Take it easy. That either people really want to hear this because they have no clue, or people are just happy to hear that there's so much further advanced than you are on, on in today's society. Thank you very either much. Or, so not bad. Yeah, I feel not a lot bad. better now. Thank you very much. If I can provide entertainment for people out there, and that whatever it takes, Big Dog, whatever it takes. Um. Hey, lots to talk about, including, we should mention right up front, and we'll uh, mention a couple times during the show, uh, you and uh, myself, or I should say this year, man. And by the way, to be clear, when you were talking about my uh, Twitter, meaning yourself, you were talking about this year, man, not Joel Radwanski, correct? Yeah, this is true, because my Joel Radwanski Twitter has just as many tweets, and they're all just as good, but for some reason I only have 38 followers in two years. And 32 of those are Eastern European, I believe. This is true. Definitely true. <laughs> All right. So it's this year, man, that uh, is is the one you're trying to build up the Twitter following. But this year, man, and myself will be at the Playbook at Niles tonight. We thought, Big Dog, you know, there'd be a decent crowd, but uh, Cubs, Sox, we'd have to do some entertainment, some games and stuff. We're thinking what to do, and boom, lo and behold, we didn't look ahead long enough. The Blackhawks win their game. Sure enough, the NHL is nice enough to work with our schedules because 6 o'clock start. Even 7 might have been a problem, but they moved the game back to 8 o'clock. Thank you very much, Gary Bettman. We appreciate it. And now we'll be able to host what should be, I would imagine, not only a full house at the Playbook Sports Bar in Niles Big Dog, but a excited, vocacious, if not slightly inebriated, full house at the Playbook. It's going to be an awfully good time tonight, Coach, is all i got to say. And the Hawks had better win. Because if, if they don't win, I do not like angry hockey fans. It sucks. Mm-hmm. It really sucks. But as far as watching a big game in a sports bar, correct me if I'm wrong, but 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 Stanley Cup hockey, that's it's it 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 beats NBA playoffs, quite frankly. Oh, without it, there's no better. There is no better sport at a sports bar to watch than hockey, honestly, because you don't need to hear all the breakdown in between plays as much as all that other stuff. So it's basically just <laughs> a reactionary. Let's get drunk, watch the game, and really not have to listen to the commentators at all. The type mm-hmm. deal. Uh, seriously, Coach. And and then you just hang out with your buddies, have a good time, and erupt when uh, Patrick Sharpie gets the game winner tonight in overtime. Wow. Is that a prediction? Yes, I'm also Over- predicting overtime. Again? Yes, I'm oh. predicting overtime. I blame oh. I blame your ex-Aaron boy, Jordan Burnfield. Oh. Okay. In the middle of, in the middle of period three of game number three, he he spurts out this tweet, uh, the most overtimes ever in a, in a blah, 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 in NHL was 1951. That's why I knew all that stuff. And I told him then the next five, all the way through game six is going into overtime, and he just laughed. And get, look what's going to happen. It's going to overtime tonight, Coach. Mm. That'd be amazing. That would be truly, I mean, it's already amazing. Five consecutive games and five overtime. The 1951 one that we tied, Big Dog, the one thing I haven't heard them talk about, was that five total or was it five consecutive overtime? It was five total. It was 4-1 series, and Toronto won the okay. series 4-1. Okay. And But you know what's amazing is for the Hawks, if you think about it, there's been no double overtime games. And all the overtimes seem to end in the first, like, two or three minutes, don't they? I don't think there was – the game two was – no, no, game one was kind of a long overtime. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's like in the first yep. two or three minutes that all the goals were scored. Yep, including uh, Saturdays. Saturdays with the Blackhawks so win the game. Jonathan Taves, El Capitan off the face off, off the ricochet off the board. 
Slams home the winner, Big Dome, but two and a half minutes into it. What a sweet victory for the Blackhawk. And let us not forget, we had to get a goal, what, mid-third period just to send it to overtime, right? Hawks fans don't start worrying about whether there's going to be a game-tying game tying goal until about five seconds to go in the game. Let's face it, not with Mike Smith back there. Mike Smith is shaking in his boots every third period against the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. All the other times he's been awesome, including overtime, by the yep. way. Yep, he's been awesome. And, and and what Mike Smith is the last minute of the game is what Corey Crawford has been to some extent in overtime. Yeah, and that pretty much sums it up. Yep. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. But, you know, if Mike Smith wasn't bad in overtime, the, the series would already be over. So it just swept for nothing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... Uh, at least Corey Crawford has gotten the overtime and given the Hawks a chance a couple times. Absolutely amazing. Great sports weekend. And, in fact, uh, Saturday, I was thinking about this driving in. Correct me if I'm wrong, Big Doe. We had that horrible, I forget what day it was, Thursday or Friday, where the Hawks lost Cubs, Bulls, and Sox. All four teams lost. Saturday, we had White Sox win, Cubs win, including a perfect game. we got to talk about that. Cubs won. Bulls won, and the Blackhawks in overtime. So Saturday, a phenomenal day for the Chicago sports fan. Yeah, I, I can't wait till you actually start following whatever. Because I, I, I dubbed it on Saturday as soon as Umber finished out Perfection Saturday, and that's when I was done. I was like, the Bulls and the and the Hawks have to finish this off, mm-hmm. especially the Hawks. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the Bulls have basically clinched uh, the the East. And and home court advantage throughout the playoffs. The NBA's best record yeah. with uh, with the win on Saturday night, and obviously keeps the Hawks alive. Saturday was a great day in Chicago sports. Uh, the Cubs had their best game of the season, and uh, the, but the White Sox had their best game of the season too because Phil Umber was absolutely dominant. Do you, remember, do you remember, Coach, when you were like, oh, they should skip him in the in the rotation? I'm like, you know, this guy can actually pitch, and he was good last April yeah. and May till well, he got bad. I, that was I, what I, I said about him. I didn't realize the perfect game was coming. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, let me say, when I said they should skip him, that was not a shot at Phil Humber. It was more just to keep the rotation straight. But Phil Humber was a damn good pitcher last year in a very unsung sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, it was one of those, he was really good early and kind of wore down as the year went on, and mm-hmm. you weren't sure that well, were people catching on to his stuff, or was it the fact that this is the first time he's had a, a like 180 in, inning, hit a inning, you know, inning in, uh, in his career? Mm-hmm. Well, from the looks of how he's pitched so far, I, hopefully he can pitch 200 innings this year for the White Sox, because my goodness, coach, every single pitch except for the last one of the game, was exactly where he wanted it to be. I'm not kidding you. I, I don't think A.J. Przezinski moved his glove. And I watched the whole game. That was the first time I've ever watched a no-hitter from start to finish. I didn't even watch the Carlos Zambrano. I didn't see the beginning of that game. So it was pretty cool. So you just happened to watch at the beginning, not knowing that history was about to be made, not only a no-hitter, of course, but a perfect game, only the 21st in MLB History, by the way, White Sox fans, if you're listening and you want to talk about that uh, momentous occasion and the sweep of the Seattle Mariner, 888-463-6748 is our phone number. But, dog, you just happen to be watching from the very first pitch. And uh, if so, tell me how your suspense factor uh, gained as the game went on. Well, uh, the only reason why I was watching the game from the beginning was there's no game on MLB Network, and you know, I always I watch baseball if it's on. But if it's the the Mariners versus the White Sox, I definitely go to MLB Network first to see if there was an option. There wasn't, and there was no other live baseball on or or, or sports. So I put the, the the White Sox game on, and I start doing like the social media stuff, 
and I'm not kidding you, I really didn't realize it until I started like checking my fantasy baseball stuff, and I'm like, dang, he's perfect through five. Was, through five is when I noticed it. And uh, right when the eighth inning was done, I gave a blast out to all my buddies on the on the text message. Mm-hmm. And my brother was the first one to respond, as usual. Thank you very much. Because whatever anybody is close, my brother has the baseball package or extra innings, whatever they call it, and I always let him know. And he's always like, thank you. And he runs down and, and uh, you know, he watches, like, the last three outs of a no-hitter, and he'll, like, text me back, thank you. That was worth $150 I spent on this freaking package for the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. That's why he gets it. He doesn't want to miss any baseball history. So I'll call him up and I'll be like, so-and-so's got three homers and he's batting in the ninth. You know what I mean? And, you know, and he actually, you know, he's watching Mark Witten bat in the ninth <laughs> inning or something like that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Most amazing uh, stat that I read, and of course, uh, anything with a perfect game is amazing. Again, only 21 times in the history of Major League Baseball. Um, I think I read Big Dog up until the ninth inning through eight. He never... Got to even a three ball count on any batter. No, he did not. Wow. And then the lead up, and then the lead off batter of the freaking eighth inning, I swear to you, the first three pitches were, which were balls, coach. We're not even there to strike zone. And I'm like, oh no, no, don't. And then all of a sudden he just makes three awesome pitches and then he goes to three balls against on Brendan Ryan. And, uh, quite honestly, I, I, I always say if you, you always have to call the game the, the right way, no matter if it's the first inning, no matter if it's the ninth inning, no matter if it's the perfect game, or no matter if it's, uh, uh, you know what I mean, if it's a 10 nothing game. Of course, unless it's a wreck game, it's 10 nothing. let's get the heck out of there. But if somebody checks Wings Coach, I am the type of umpire that rings you up, just to let you know. So I would, it wouldn't have been easy for me. If Brendan Ryan makes any type of effort at a ball that's nine feet outside and bounces halfway to home plate, mm-hmm. I'm ringing you up. So, like, uh, Brendan Ryan, I will have to say, I, I think he swung, but he didn't say anything. When he asked about it after the game, he would not comment. He didn't want to wreck the Lumber's perfect game. So Brendan he was, Ryan he was mad he at the coach. time, though. Yeah, he was really mad at the time, but he didn't make an issue out of it, which I'm tipping my hat to him because yes. uh, I, I, a lot of people would have freaked out and then, you know what I mean, and kind of put a, yep. a little bit of a smudge on the perfect game. But you know what? Run the first base. You would have beat the, You would have beat it. Mm-hmm. You would have gave uh, your leadoff hitter a shot at getting a hit, but no. You sit there and act like, oh, why, why me? Why me? Well, Brendan, Brendan Ryan is faster than A.J. Przinsky. Enough said, Coach. Before I make this criticism, what, what was the final score of the game? It was it was either 4 nothing or 5 nothing. Okay, so coach. now I can make the criticism. I won, and it worked out. So nobody's talking about it. But if it didn't work out, I think it would have been legitimate criticism. Why? Is A.J. Piersinski, who's having a great start, by the way, to the 2012 season. Everybody thought he's over the hill. He's hitting the heck out of the ball. But why would A.J. Piersinski call a curveball away? You've got a perfect game. It's not a one nothing game. So, the you know, you want to win the game first. To me, yeah, yeah. to me, throw the fastball, throw a strike, make him get a hit to beat you. Don't throw, you know, a dangerous curve Away and as it turned out, obviously it would have been ball fourth. The guy let it go. But did you find that strange for the uh, the pitch count, pitch call? And uh, coach, you didn't watch the game. And just from sitting back, you know, you're right. I want to let you know you are 100 percent right. Bill Umber's fastball was freaking dancing, and he was hitting it. That's his best pitch of the day. Forget the fact that you know exactly what you're right. Don't you don't want to waste a perfect game on uh, it was that wasn't his best pitch. Throw your best pitch. She should have just yelled, I'm throwing the fastball. None of you have hit it all day. I mean, honestly, at that point. 
his it was riding in and down on right-handed hitters' hands like, like nobody could get the, the batter on on that coach. And, and and with one strike to go, one pitch to go in a perfect mm-hmm. game, some told me he would have enough adrenaline to get as much on the fastball as he had all day long. Yep. And he really didn't need to get a lot on it because his move so much. Hey, throw it at 92 and let it dance. It's better than 96 and straight. White Sox sweep the Mariners 9-6 and six on the season. Robin Ventura. Early candidate for coach of the year. I say that kiddingly. It's way too No, no, early. no, 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 coach. Yeah, yeah. I know it's only two weeks in. Yes. But for the two weeks, Robin Ventura to yeah. me has had the best, has right. managed the best in Major League Baseball for the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, but to be talking about, okay, I like the way you put it better than coach of the year after two weeks, but White Sox playing very good baseball. The amazing, perfect game over the weekend. Absolutely unbelievable. Big dog. I can't believe you watched it uh, from start. To finish what a treat. I didn't find out till Saturday night. I finished coaching basketball in a tournament Saturday at 9 o'clock. And some guy that was helping me on and off, uh, and when I use the word help, I use that in the loosest sense of the term. And that's a whole other subject. But he goes, hey, by the way, you a Sox fan? I go, yeah, the Sox won. I go, all right, cool. He goes, and they got a perfect game. I go, Are you, what? Perfect game? I didn't find out till like Saturday at 9 o'clock. No, I'd rather hear about the guy that was supposedly helping you. Nah. What, what was going on? Nah. That's all right. Did he take the credit? Did huh? he take as much credit as you got for it? No, no, no. That's okay, okay, that's cool then. Then who cares? Who yeah. cares? Yeah. Put- I, 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 I've worked with people like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You do everything, and all of a sudden you get paid as much as them, and they're like, oh, yeah, it wasn't hard at all. Yeah, of course it wasn't hard at all. I did everything. <laughs> he did put no, the – yeah, Look at me. I'm totally perspired. He put the oh. ASS in the assistant coach. Let me just put it that way. 888-463-6748, the phone number, socks on a roll, Cubs have a rough weekend. We'll get back to Hawk hockey in a second, but as long as we're on baseball, let us touch on uh, this year, man, and the big dogs. Favorite team, the beloved Cubs, lose two out of three over the weekend, the Dusty Baker and company, and um, uh, Marlon Bird. Marlon Bird no longer a Chicago Cub big dog. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I gave Marlon Bird a little bit of a, a grief the last couple of weeks. He kind of deserved it because... Yeah. Uh, Marlon Bird was not only hitting 070 for the Cubs. Oh my goodness, was his defense bad this year? And and I know everybody because oh, he's made a bunch of highlight top ten web gem catches. I swear to you, he's let more balls. He's like taken the wrong angle of balls that have bounced past him. Uh, didn't take charge and let uh, fly balls fall to the ground this year. I don't know what's up with Marlon Bird, coach, but it is mental because I have never seen him play. Stupid before. Do you know what? Marlon Bird yeah. has but. been without question. You can say about Marlon Bird before he this season, he has played his butt off, hustle wise, and he has always been the smartest player yes. on the Cubs for two years. Yep. I, that's why there's something mentally going on with him for him to play stupid baseball yeah. for two years. I'm glad you mentioned that last part because you're right. Obviously, this season, you know, I think he knew he wasn't going to be a Cub. Something was bothering him, but for the most part, and, uh, you know, his production was never great. And I didn't know a whole lot about Marlon Bird before he came to the Cub. What did he play? Two years for us? Yeah, uh, well, yeah. three years. This is two, no, two point oh yeah. one. Okay, yeah, two full seasons. And I'll tell you what, from a character, class standpoint, quality guy on field and off, everything you'd want from a teammate. And again, I knew nothing about Marlon Bird outside of the name before he came here. A total, total high marks from myself, Big Dog. I think he was a great character guy, great teammate, and I really learned to appreciate. Too bad he wasn't a better player. But I love the guy that Marlon Bird is. But do you know what we you know about Marlon Bird? He's getting one hundred percent out of his out of his ability up until this year. That's why it's 
it's it's almost hard to to fathom that he's that he's. I can understand going through a slump, and it's, and hopefully it isn't because he got hit in the face. Because mm-hmm. ever since he's been hit in the face by that Boston pitcher, he has not been good, Coach. Yeah. I mean, he's been bad, and I, I, hopefully it's just one of those things where he knew he was going to move. Maybe even the Cubs front office said, "Hey, we don't want we don't want to play games with you. We're we're looking to move you." And then all of a sudden he wasn't able to deal with it. Some guys can't deal with that. What's remember with Lou Aldang? Yep. When Lou Aldang, who's as rock steady and working as hard as anybody you want in the world, a good just exactly like Marlon Burke, getting the most out of his talent. Uh, well, we might trade you for Kobe Bryant. What? Lou Aldang disappeared that season. Mm-hmm. So that's hey, maybe that's his personality. They're human. And they're young mm-hmm. kids too. You forget they're you know, they're still well, Marlon Burr's not so young, but at the time Lou Aldang was still a young kid. They can be psychological, even though they're getting paid millions, they're still kids and they're still uh, human beings. They can be affected by that. I love the uh, one Cubs fan I heard over the weekend where somebody was talking about, uh, you know, is it time to hit the panic button? And uh, the fan or the announcer said, uh, don't worry about hitting the panic button. They'll probably swing and miss if they try. Oh, my goodness. Thank you very much. 888 the Phone number, big dog. Let's go out to the phone line. We got to talk some Blackhawks hockey too. That is first and foremost. Game six tonight at the United Center, eight o'clock is the tip off. Out to line nineteen we go. We have not heard from this guy in a long time, but it's our good friend Lunt Avenue Lou checking in. Lou, Lou. how you doing, my friends? It's great to hear your voices once again. <laughs> uh, how are you, Lunt Avenue? Long, where you been? Long time no talk. I, you know, I gotta tell you honestly, you know, the greeting card business has taken off like crazy. <laughs> I'm sitting there working. You got the holidays, you had the Christmases, the Easter's, the New Year's, you, you know, the, the, the fake ones, uh, you know, the Valentine's Day, the I love you day, the hey, I think you're okay day, whatever the case may be. There's a day for everything nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I'm working like a madman. Don't forget, and you got way, all the uh, the proms and the graduations coming up. I may be purchasing a few of those cards coming up. Big dog or. Uh, one Avenue, Lou. Any any graduation cards that your company has spewed out of late? Well, we spewed a lot. I'm telling you right now, my friend. I'm spewing every five minutes. But I tell you what, you want a card for a graduation? You call me. I make one special for you and your kids. Really? How's that? All yeah, right. of course. Come on, I'm a longtime fan, first time caller. That's Lo- a lie. I call all the time. A lot of things rhyme with Kevin, so you'll probably be able to uh, easily make a card out. Can we name it? Change his name to Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Easier if I go Bob, Mike. Kevin, there's yeah. two syllables, but it's a lot more rhyming. Yeah. It's really right. easy to get a nickname, Bob. Yeah. That's yeah, true, but well, you don't want it, trust me. At least his nickname <laughs> is not Nantucket, so that that probably wipes out 90% of a lot of lose business right there. 99%, but let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the Blackhawks or the Cubs. Either one, either one, my friend. Blackhawks. Game Blackhawks. six. Lon Avenue, I'm assuming you are a long-time, long-time Hawk fan. Long time since the days of the old stadium, my friend. I'm not an old man, but I'll tell you this. I was there the last game the Hawks ever played in the playoffs at the really? old stadium, losing to Toronto. Yes, I was wow. in the playoffs. It was a sad, sad day, my friend. I was, you know, I, I'm a younger guy, so my days were the Chelios, <laughs> the Ronics, the Belfours, the Larmers, the Lemuse, that area over there. That's when Lemieux, I love that guy. Big Dog, when you were a kid, I know you're a long time. Were some of those same guys? Because for me, it was Hull, Makita, Warham, and, you know. Uh... No, I'm not that old. I wish I would have got to saw all that. But basically, like, the, the line that I remember the best line was, uh, it was Savard, Secord, and Larmer. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. 
That was the best line that I have ever seen as a Blackhawk fan. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Lon Evans. I don't. What was the Ronick line that was real good? But to me, that was the best line that we saw as, as Blackhawk fans. Oh, by far. But then you traded away Savard, and that's when you got a young Chris Chelios, a Chicago guy, and then eventually Savard came back again. But I'm telling you right now, those were the days of the Hawks when when defensemen like Steve Smith were around, big six foot five guys. All defensemen wore single digit numbers. Nobody wore a face mask. There was a certain era about being a, uh, about being a Blackhawk. There was a certain toughness to the game. Now you got a bunch of Swedes going around, and you, you lose a couple of games up front. Everybody's wearing a face mask. Everybody's five foot four and sneaky. What happened in the days of the big defenseman where someone hit someone in the face? Yeah, and and back in the old days, the United uh, the, the the Chicago Stadium court or the the ice was so small, it was the size of a swimming pool. You could barely put twelve people out there in two nets. Basically, you just throw them out there and let them hit each other with sticks for about two hours. That's all that happened. Sounds like good times. Reminds me of my youth. <laughs> Eric Nestorinko and um, who were the big slow? You know, you're, you're remembering back to those days, Lon Avenue Lou, but some of those guys were kind of big, were kind of slow. They could hit, but boy, today's hockey players, a lot more athletic, a lot more fun to watch. Just to oh, throw don't it. get me wrong. I love Steve Smith, but I think Steve Smith's new name would have been John Scott in this area. I don't think he's that good, but in my head, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, did you, were, were, were you watching uh, Game Six, or I'm sorry, were you watching Game Five? Lon Avenue paint a picture as Jonathan Taves knocks home the winning goal. Were you with uh, loved ones by yourself at a sports bar? Paint the picture, my friend. Well, let me tell you. You know, obviously these these late games are kind of killing me, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, people got jobs, people whatever, but it's Saturday night. You know, the wife started to sit there and watch the game with me, but then she passed out somewhere around the second period, so I sent her upstairs <laughs> to the bedroom because i got to be able to scream. If you don't let me scream, I'm yep. not a happy watcher, yep. you know? So I sent her up. The Hawks are already down one nothing. She goes up to the bedroom, takes the dog with her, if you know what I'm saying. Now i got the peace and quiet. i got myself a nice cold beverage in front of me. You know, I've got myself some chips with lovely, i got to tell you, the spinach artichoke dip. i got to send you the recipe. It's fantastic. Awfully good. So I'm watching the game. And then, then, first of all, you got to go with the letty tying it up. Sends me out of my chair, yelling and screaming, can't wait now for overtime because you know what? Why not? There's been an overtime every single game up until now. Might as well just keep it going, you know? Mm-hmm. Then we get to well, overtime, and the exactly. way they played, yeah, the way they played guys all game long, more aggressive, defensemen jumping up into the offensive zone. You just had a feeling that this game was going the Hawks' way, and you wonder why they couldn't have played with that same urgency game one through four. Yeah. It seemed like they weren't afraid to skate with the puck in game five. It was like in games one through four, they continued just to like get rid of it as quickly as possible without having any type of control. And you brought up the Nick Letty goal. For the previous 10 days, I've been figuring out every single curse word you could rhyme with Letty. I'm sure you've been doing the same thing as a greeting card, uh, the specialist. <laughs> My friend, you can start with Letty. I almost had a freaking heart attack when it was either. It was unbelievable. He actually took a shot that didn't hit another Blackhawk. I mean, if you're a Blackhawk and Nick Letty's going for a black shot, you cover your cup and your face. Because <laughs> it doesn't go towards the goal. It automatically goes right towards another Blackhawk. The guy's yeah. so freaking horrible. Well, 48 yeah. hours before that, it was Nick Letty who made the turnover. Actually, not a turnover, but the bad defensive play that allowed the game-winning goal. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And listen, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend the guy. The guy, he's one of these guys where one game you love him, next game you wonder why he's on the ice. But I just mm-hmm. was thinking about this. If he was still at University of Minnesota, he'd only be a junior this year. He's like 21 years old. Wow. Really? So I, I, yeah, absolutely. Look him up. He came up as a 19-year-old defenseman two years ago. 
how crazy is that, that this guy here is 21 years old and he's playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I mean, how awesome is that? So, I mean, wow. yeah, every okay. time he screws up, I kind of take it with a grain of salt. Like, well, you know what? When I was 21 years old, I was drunk at the end of the bar. So, I mean, quite frankly, he's doing better than I was. <laughs> oh, goodness. Let me have any chance. I know you got a busy schedule, the loved one at home, people depending on you. You actually work for a living, unlike myself and the big dog. Any chance you'll be at the playbook tonight at 8 o'clock with uh, this year man and the coach watching Blackhawk hockey? You know, I might make my way over there. I, I love the hey, this, But I got to tell you, this year man, he's more of an oh. evil genius than he is an actual, you know, superhero. Because a superhero wouldn't have put out that 4-12 and 12 record that we got so far for the Cubs. I, you know, again, it's next year, man, or two years from now, man, or <laughs> six and a half years from now, man, or maybe someday before I die, man, for the love of God. <laughs> They're not mathematically eliminated. Don't forget, this is the National League Central. The, the team with the most talent has Dusty Baker as their skipper. Okay? So this, it's gonna, they're going to come crashing down. It's all good. Someday the before I... If you do the, the math, it was, what, they're, they're 4 and 12. So that means you're winning one out of every three games. At that record, you'll be 60 out of 182 games. Is that right? 60 wins? No, that'd be, that, would, that would be 40 and 120. Oh, jeebus. <laughs> Hey, here's the, here's the way I look at it. pretty easy to figure out. Here's the way I look at it as a long-time Chicago Cup fan. If we pull out 60 wins this year, Lund Avenue, here's the glass half 63. full, taking it extra. If we pull out 60 wins this year, we've got more W's than the Chicago Blackhawks. And how many wins do the Bulls have? They're going to end up with 50 40 something in the last two games. So we'll have more wins than the Bulls or the Blackhawks. That's the way I'm looking at it as a Cub fan. Yeah, not if you add their playoff records. <laughs> If you think about it, the Bulls can even eclipse that. Yeah, the Bulls the Bulls are going to end up with 66 wins this year. 16 playoff okay. wins, 50 right. regular season wins. So Sorry. the Cubs... And by the way, the, the goal for Cup glass. fans... The goal for Cup fans is 63 wins. That that means Why? there would only be 99 losses. <laughs> Boy. I don't want to... Six, a 62-win season is just as bad as a 60-win season as far as I'm concerned. Wait 63... A- is huge. That's that's really setting the ceiling high. I'm sure the Cubs will be thrilled to hear that as one of your, one of their goals. I, I kind of like the ring of someday before I die, man. Someday before I die, man. Yeah. I think that's his new name. Hey, by the way, Joel, you're a big baseball guy. Who's the number one pick in the draft this year in MLB? That's who I need to be looking at right now. Well, no, no, that's that's the that's a tough question. Um, it's really too bad. See, the, the Cubs aren't getting that. The Cubs are drafting like number six this year. Don't forget. Oh, that's from last okay. year's bad record. That's from last year's bad record. Next year, so you're thinking the 2013 draft? Yeah, that's uh, that where I'm loaded. Looking. That's loaded with a bunch of uh, Dominicans, and uh, so it's, it's going to be all right. Now, this year, the draft, the Cubs are going to get somebody with a six pick, somebody incredible, because quite frankly, there is a really, really, it's like the top ten players are incredible in this year's draft, and the two best players, are asking for too much money and no one's going to want to pay him until they get down to the off. The Cubs are going to, last year the Cubs got the number one overall player in the draft, Javier Baez, gotta, with a ninth pick. I got to go with a kid uh, much closer to home for Lone Avenue Lou, plays his youth baseball, I think only about 20 minutes away from me in beautiful Norwich. I got to go with the kid Clyde Hammersmith. They call him uh, the Little Hammer, 14 years old, Norwich Pony League, tremendous mm-hmm. potential. I think he's your number one pick. I've been reading about him, Coach, but the, the Cubs will have – they'll get him in 2018 when they have the number one pick. I say take him okay. now and uh, get him out of school and start grooming him. You can never start too young. Not bad, not bad. But, but seriously, the Cubs prospects, the last two, three years, the ones that 
they've drafted have actually been good, and they're they're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs got the number one rated player with the ninth pick. What's up? Every day I'm looking up Joel, I'm looking up Rizzo's numbers. I'm looking up Jackson's numbers. I don't know why Clevenger isn't playing every game because Soto makes me want to throw up. I'm telling you, yeah, all I'm looking for is youth right now. Youth and happiness. Yeah, yeah no doubt. If we're going to lose, let's lose with guys that I don't hate yet. Oh, you know what? I, every time I see Alfonso Soriano, I have to change the channel. I can't stand looking at the guy. So if I'm going to let me put a left fielder out there that I actually want to watch, honestly. The other day, Soriano didn't play. They scored seven runs. Put it, that's put the, let's put it that way. He's horrible. So, And by the way, the, the bias kid, Lou from Lund, you need to write a greeting card about this kid because he was supposed to go number one overall, and everybody was afraid of him because he yells and screams and he wanted all kinds of money. Well, the Cubs gave him the money, and they found out that he yells and screams and it's always like supportive stuff. No one could understand his Spanish. But all of his teammates love him, and he was the player of the year in Florida. And so far in extended spring training right now, he, he raised his batting average from 600 to 667 at, over the weekend, and he another homer. Wow. The kid's Jeez. freaking unbelievable. That's what I like to hear. That, see, that, that gives me hope. See, that gives me next uh-huh. year man a- attitude now. I'm feeling a little bit better about it all, all together. <laughs> that, and by the way, this week is the Bears draft. So i got to tell you, it's kind of a big sports week between the Hawks tonight they got to get the oh. win to get it to Game 7. you got the, the NFL draft this week. I, I'm an excited sports fan in Chicago. Lon Avenue, if you want to tune into a show, I'm not sure if it'll be Wednesday or Thursday this week. I have to check with uh, the big dog. We'll probably be having a big pre-production meeting about a minute and a half before the show tomorrow. But Joel's NFL breakdown analysis the day before the draft arguably is the finest show that we do. Very arguably, by the way. I can't wait. Joel just promised me one, th- one thing. Just one thing. Uh-huh. That's all I want for your analysis. Break down the base of the biggest and fattest offensive lineman. I love to hear what kind of a base the guy had. It just makes me oh, laugh I, and it makes me happy. I will I will definitely do that. And I also want to let you know the biggest base and the base that moves the quickest has nothing to do with an offensive lineman. This year, defensive tackle from the University of Memphis. Yep. By the way, he his, his uh, what do you call it, the, in Indianapolis in March. The, the combine. combine. Was he's like the greatest combine freak of all time? They didn't realize that when they put the videotape on him yeah. during like the middle of during the middle of plays, he'll stop and eat a sandwich. That's, that's the kid who, <laughs> whose nickname <laughs> is Gibraltar. Yeah, he'll be, yeah, he'll, the guy's looking for a freaking. He's, he's looking for the he's, remote control when they're they're running right up the middle on him. And they, what, the guy plays half the plays, but you got to see this guy move from. He's lunch. got a base and he has lateral movement, very similar to the Rock of Gibraltar. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting without you know extending it too much here, Lun Avenue, Louis. The detail of the scouting reports. Now, we used to kid about a guy's good base now, and I'm not kidding about that. They will literally break down the guy. It's not just a base anymore. They'll talk about, you know, one hamstring being bigger than the other, the hips as opposed to the butt. Does he move, you know, his base, you know, moves laterally left well, but not so well to the right. It's unbelievable how they break it down, but it's more than just, uh, you know, the good base now. Now they break the base down. At least that was interesting. When they started talking about the size of Whitney Merciless's mom's hands, I got a little creeped out. I got to be honest with you. It's a little bit weird when you're starting to break down the mother and the father, too. If, if the Bears pick him, they have made a huge mistake. And I'm a diehard Illinois fan. I need. Just, yep. If the Bears pick him in the second round, I'll be happy. If they use the 19th pick on him, I'm going to be irate as a, as a Bears fan. Let me just well, no reiterate offense, that's that. good listening on Friday, then. i got to be honest with you. I can't wait to hear you go off if they do. <laughs> well, no, well, I, I got, I, I'm all up on this draft. The Bears, 
don't need a lot in order to win their division and get into the playoffs. And if that happens, why couldn't they be the Giants and win the Super Bowl next year? This is an imperative draft for the for the Bears because they're extremely close to winning a Super Bowl. And especially with this Marshall trade, this, the team feels it. It's kind of like the Dodgers now all of a sudden – the court doesn't own them, and the same freaking team that sucked last year, the same exact team, even younger and worse, are like, oh, Magic Johnson's our owner. Well, all of a sudden they're like, hey, we got Brandon Marshall, we got a new GM. It's invigorated. This draft is huge for the Chicago Bears. Huge. By the way, Northwestern's left tackle, Al Netter, will be available with the 19th pick, Big Doug. <laughs> okay, fellas, thanks so much for hey. having me on. You guys have a great show. Love it. Love Avenue. We love to, uh, thanks for the call. We'd love to see you tonight at 8 o'clock. We got a uh, bucket of beer that we order, and the big dog protects that thing like like it's uh, you know a gold mine, but I guarantee if you show up, he'll give you one of the beers. You put a bucket in front of the big dog. He's got quick hands, a good base, awesome hips. I tell you, the hands go out there. You can't get through. It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> I like it. He's got a good base. Thanks for the call on Avenue. Bye, guys. Uh, Those are not boos you're hearing, Big Dog, from the fans out there. Those are Lou's, one of our favorite callers, Lunt Avenue Lou. Wow. Uh, The other day uh, I was riding my bike and I passed uh, Lunt Avenue. I actually thought of it very rarely. Yes. Does uh, does, uh, an image throughout the city of Chicago remind me of a a caller? Yep. But I, I cannot pass down Lunt Avenue. You know, what Avenue used to be the reminder of the, one of the greatest, most classic jokes in the history of Chicago. Take it easy. Okay, but it no longer is that anymore. It's mm-hmm. Now I think of a caller because of it. Yep. Well, I've mentioned this before, but not for a while. There actually was a, a famous, very famous restaurant uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, yeah, Phoenix, right next to Arizona State University. It was in College Town. And uh-huh. uh, a, a cousin of mine was involved in it in the restaurant business, three or four of his buddies that grew up in the area. And back in the day, they apparently had a thing called the Lunt Avenue Marble Club when they were kids. Well, when they opened up the restaurant out in Phoenix, they called the restaurant the Lunt Avenue Marble Club. And it was uh, sort of like an R.J. Grunt's Let Us Entertain You Enterprise restaurant. It became one of the more popular ones out there. So Lunt Avenue, a little bit of fame in the uh, restaurant business picked up. Uh and trust me, Coach, I, I didn't. I didn't even. I knew what Avenue was around when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. I could have named like four streets in the whole city of Chicago: Bay Street, Michigan Avenue, Addison, because that's where, and Shields, because that's where Comiskey was at, and then Lund Avenue. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Dog and the coach with you right up until eleven o'clock. Blackhawk hockey game six tonight. I open up the show, big dog, by talking about the fact that again we'll be at the playbook tonight. Hope fans can join us. Should be a full house, brand new sports bar. They got what about forty three big screen TVs in the place, and I'm only exaggerating by maybe ten. No, no, they they got to have more than forty. You think about how how big the place is. Mm-hmm. I would say they have upwards of. Uh-huh. 60. All right. So good viewing no matter where you're sitting. And uh, the dog and the coach will be there. Come up and say hi to us. Hope you can make it 8 o'clock kickoff time. But, Big Dog, I opened up the show by mentioning, and I think this is correct, that Phoenix counting the playoffs this year is 4-0 and versus the Blackhawk at the United Center this year. That's, well, yeah, I guess you could look at it two ways. It's not good, or maybe it's time for the, the Hawks to uh, pull out a home win. Yeah, I'm not worried about it because what if they do get a, that eventually they're overdue. They're going to win tonight. It'll all be worth it. The, the NHL, 
Well, I don't think they'd be. They're, they're going to make sure Phoenix wins Game Seven in Phoenix, so the the Coyotes don't go under. So if, if everybody's noticed that Phoenix is getting every call in this game, don't forget that the NBA owns that franchise, and it is weird how strange the penalties are so one sided in these games. Uh, so uh, it's going to go seven. The Hawks are going to win this game. The, all four Phoenix series are going to go seven, Coach. Hmm. What I'm trying to tell you is they're trying to save yep. their organization. Yep, because right now it does not have an owner. The NHL took it over, and it, was it Jerry Reins, or who am I thinking of that's... Jerry Colangelo. Colangelo. Former former University of Illinois guy, yep. and he was never able to buy the Bulls or the Blackhawks or the Cubs. Obviously, the the, the McCaskey family's never selling the Chicago Bears ever. So, Wasn't he uh, the GM for the Bulls for a while or not? I think he was. Oh, no, he was involved with the Bulls, Coach, but not, not GM. He was like the, okay. the vice president in charge of uh, marketing or maker or maybe even basketball operation. Mm-hmm. But he was, he was never the GM of the, of the Bulls, at least from 1982 to now. He did buy and win a World Series with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I he also ran, that, yeah. he, uh, ran United States basketball for a while. He might still be doing it. I think he still is doing that, and if mm-hmm. not, his son is. Like, his son and him were involved in USA Basketball big time. And one, of the, one of the best last names I've ever, just flows. Yeah, and, and, he's a, and he's a University of Illinois graduate, yeah. and he is one of the most phenomenal owners in sports, and he's my, he's the, the, he's, his teams are my favorite teams, and he couldn't own any of my teams. Yep. And he's one of the best owners in sports. Jerry Colangelo, if I, when I ever meet him, I'm just going to be like, Jerry, I really respect you, and you're one of the most frustrating owners ever. Look at me like, well, what's that supposed to mean? I'm like, because I've wanted you to own all of my teams ever. And he doesn't. He's wanted to own the Bulls, Blackhawks, and the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Maybe this year man should wear like a patch on his sleeve, a little Colangelo. If I was doing it over again, it's, it's such a cool name. I would almost consider naming my firstborn Colangelo. What a cool Cone name, Colangelo Cone. That's a great name. That's not bad, Coach. Col- that's if bad. I had a dog, but there's something about Colangelo. It's just, it's cool no, no, and it flows. You don't, want a dog, you don't want to name your dog Colangelo. Yeah, if you don't name your dog a sports thing, make it, it's, do it a Chicago one. Sweetness, you know, nah, Peyton, nah, that's Alice. True. What's, wrong with, what's wrong with sweetness? I don't like it. Oh, you're wrong. David Olson. My brother-in-law teaches in the Chicago public school system, and he taught a pair of twin brothers, and their names were Orangelo and Lemangelo. <laughs> okay? But they were spelled orange jello and lemon jello. Oh, boy. But you pronounce it wow. Orangelo and Lemangelo. What was their last name? Smith, I hope? It, I don't. I don't even remember. That's hilarious. <laughs> Orangelo. Oh, good. You remember a pitcher, Big Doe, one of my favorite pitchers of all time, uh, name-wise, Mark Lemangelo. Yes. For the Houston my, Astros. My mom loved that guy, especially after he had the tantrum in the visitor's oh, dugout and clubhouse at Wrigley Field. It's one of the greatest on-field blow-ups of all time. Yes. Because normally, and, people, you know, when they have the, the blow-up coach, you yep. start, after a while you get uncomfortable, and you're like, oh, no, he should stop. He's embarrassed. Well, he was so funny during it. When he stopped, you're like, no, get me I can't believe I can't believe you're talking about that guy. I didn't think anybody remembered that, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. That was legitimate. Do you agree that that was one of the few times in history that you didn't want to stop an athlete when he was acting like an absolute? Yeah, uh, well, and I'll go one deal. step further. You're absolutely right. And, and, and you know what? He deserved to. 
I mean, he was every but deserved. I'm going to try to paint the picture of what it was. Mark Lemangelo, great name for a pitcher, but he wasn't a wasn't a no hitter. But he but he had the game. Uh, it was the final pitch of the game, three and two, and he throws it right down the middle. I mean, it could not have been more perfect. And the ump calls ball four, right? That was the situation. I don't I don't I don't remember at yeah. all the situation because don't forget this is the mid seventies. Yep. And I'm like five or six okay. right now. Well, they so showed the replays. Point, all and I knew it, about baseball was Ivy grew on the red brick. That's all, right. all I knew. Well, I'm point. rooting for the Cubs, but I, even back then I could be objective enough. That baby was right down the gut. The umpire called ball four. Winning run walks in, and Lemon Jello went nuts, and your mom had a good time watching him. But he was completely right to do so. The ump blew the call and um, gave the umpire the break. Even back then they had the, the basic replay camera working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't – I wish I got to see it. I can probably YouTube and find it. That is one of the greatest blow-ups in the history of sports. Yep. And it, and it was on the field. It wasn't so much in the – I mean, you could see the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that was uh, an awful good one. Uh, it was even better than the one they show all the time with the George Brett Tynepar. Yes. Tynepar incident in New York, which is great. Don't get me wrong. The way George Brett reacts off the dugout and because they get a – they show him from the dugout seat sprinting right at the umpire. So they have this perfect view, the perfect shot of everything. So that's like gone down as like, oh, look at a baseball player blow up. If they had better footage of the mm-hmm. Mark Lemangelo thing, and Mark Lemangelo <laughs> is better than like maybe a 20-game winner in his whole entire career, I, that would be the number one thing to watch. Coach. Uh, the show is already, already a success. You've made my week by just mentioning the name. Of a Mark Lemangelo. Hey, one quick note before we get back to Hawk Hockey. And, and by the way, I have a connection with uh, uh, World Leaders National News here that's right in the city of Chicago that might affect our playbook visit tonight. You never you never know. But real quick, Big Dumb, before I forget, over the weekend we got to throw some congratulations to the university you love so dearly. University of Illinois won a national championship. Congrats to their men's gymnastics team, the 2012 NCAA champions. You know, congratulations, congratulations. And uh, I, I've been saying it this whole school year. You know, at the University of Illinois, everybody's ripping the AD. Everybody's ripping them, okay? Every single sport at the University of Illinois, women and male, is doing absolutely phenomenal except for two, and they're both male sports, and that's football and basketball. <laughs> every other every other sport is doing great at Illinois, wrestling, Men's volleyball, women's volleyball, Tennis. okay, the men's golf team, everything, coach. As a matter of fact, uh, according to ESPN, you know, they have that they have this race to see which it's men's and women's, but which which sports uh, like you know there's their whole sports program, okay, men and women. There's there's two different versions are having the best years. So basically, Alabama winning the national championship is the equivalent, the same amount of points as Illinois winning the men's gymnastics. Uh, championship in terms of the trophy, okay? And Illinois is third in the women's program. They're third overall in the whole uh, 300 schools in the country. Wow. Okay, they're third. Mm-hmm. So they're having a great year. And, and all, all we can think about is how bad this AD is at the University of Illinois yep. because simple fact that they the hirings of Gross and Beckham. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Yep. doesn't matter how good your program is doing, Coach. Nobody in the world freaking knows. You ask you ask all the Illinois uh, athletic fans right now, 99% will tell you the AD is doing a horrible job because look at the hires. Mm-hmm. And then the 1% will be like, well, my daughter's getting 
real good facilities all of a sudden. You know, isn't it crazy too how much, people look at stuff? Too much emphasis on the two. I'm not saying that we shouldn't emphasize them, but there's too much. It's over the top on the two major sports, not enough on the other ones. By the way, just as a side note, the head coach of the gymnastics team, I got a kick out of his name. It's uh, Justin Springs. Coach <laughs> Springs. <laughs> I found that kind of cute. Hey, hey, by the way, shocker. Shocker. Northwestern women's lacrosse team. I had to read this three different times in the newspaper. I thought my coffee was uh, not strong enough. Lost. They lost a game, big dog. First time in 23 games. I don't know how many national championships they've won, but Florida eight, the NU women's lacrosse team seven, an absolute shocker. I, I think uh, the coach has got to go. <laughs> Not Coach Springs. No, it was uh, the Northwestern women's lacrosse yeah. coach has got a great name. Kelly Amante Hiller. That's, I thought it was right. Yeah, but she, as a matter of fact, you know, you make you make fun of the Legends program on the Big Ten Network. Mm-hmm. They did. have a half hour program on her. She might be one of the greatest coaches, period, that the country has right now. You you might be right. If you you just think about what you're supposed to do for your program, well, you know, what what difference does it make if you're coaching football, if you're coaching women's lacrosse, you're still coaching people. And they win every single game they play. In a sport that is dominated. It's it's an Eastern-dominated sport. Mm -hmm. So how she gets players, whatever, she could probably make millions in the world of sales. You would think, because a lot of those players are outies. Somehow she got them to come to Northwestern. Real quick, big dog, um, starting today, I think the next three days. This was interesting, because we all know the NATO summit is coming. Well, that's like in mid-May, right? And that's been well advertised. But starting today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, they're appearing in some speeches and at various Chicago public, uh, Chicago public schools. But the World Summit Nobel Peace Lauderettes, I'm not sure what a... How do you pronounce it? Is Lauderette, is that correct? Laureate. Laureate. Are in town. Are you ready for this? Some of the names. Jimmy Carter, Lekwalesa, the Dalai Lama, the Dalai's in town. Mikhail Gorbachev, the ex-Russian prime minister, uh, de Klerk from South Africa. They're all in the city. Andrew DeClerc from Florida, uh, the, the, <laughs> the center. William DeClerc from South Africa. But, you know, I was thinking some of these people, you never know. Uh, maybe, you know, they're going to hear via Facebook or something. You never know. Maybe post uh, presentations, they come over to the playbook, catch. Wouldn't that be cool if a Lequilessa is in the playbook and we're doing hawk hockey with a with a Dalai Lama or a Lequilessa? Coach, we're, we're in Niles on Milwaukee Avenue. It's close. Which, is, which borders Jefferson Park. Jefferson Park, they put up signs on the, on the, on the, in the windows for help wanted, and in the bottom, in real small letters, it'll place, they'll say, please speak English. Yep. Okay. Because everything is in Russian and Polish. Lefavesa might be up there, and, and Gorbachev might be there too, but to be honest with you, I gotta find out the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I'm a caddy coach. I don't uh-huh. know, that's another one of my part-time jobs. Okay. And the Dalai Lama can play some golf. That Dalai really? Lama's a big hitter coach. I did He's not a big know. Hitter. That. Really? I, I, one time I, 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 uh, he's I can't a fairly, fairly slight man, but he can, he can hit. He's a big hitter, that llama. Wow. Okay. Does he hit him straight? As straight as an arrow. I gotta tell you something. That guy can play. Okay. Huh. I, he, he doesn't tip very well. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, the last time I, I, I came for him, I'm like, hey, hey, you know, how about a little something for the effort? And he's like, he realized what was up. And he's like, okay, I don't have any money because, mm-hmm. you know, the whole, you know, like impoverished thing. He's like, but at your death, at your time of death, you will be granted 
eternal wisdom. So <laughs> at least I got that going for me, Coach. That's I not a bad tip. That's no, not a bad no, tip. So somebody, somebody on Twitter, while I was trying to mess around, and David, you and me might have to uh, twit, pardon the impression, after the show. I need a, another lesson. But somebody on the Twitter said uh, it was some religious thing, but uh, today is the day. So I replied back to him. I said, no, I think it's tomorrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's really good. I like Thank that, you. Coach. Thank you. I like that. Yeah, tomorrow could be the day, Big Doug. Remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if we say that every day, we'll be uh, looking forward to something the rest of our life. At any rate, we got to wrap it up uh, this year, man. We'll see you at 8 o'clock tonight. And uh, let's hope we can get a Hawk victory, Big Doug. You sound like you're pretty confident. Uh, I, I'm extremely confident uh, mm-hmm. that the NHL is going to make sure that the, the Phoenix Coyotes get in uh, another game. And then it's, it's over after that. They're going to play 28 games, Coach. Mm-hmm. Hawks win, and this one's going overtime. And uh, after this game, everyone's going to want uh, Crawford pulled. Hawks mm-hmm. win 5-4 in a shootout. There it is. All right, watch a shootout. A sh- wait a minute, a shootout, not an overtime? Of course not a shootout. Oh, shootout. Okay. I yes. meant like just the fact that a 5-4 yes. game in, in the playoffs, that's, yep. like, it's ridiculous. There's right. too many goals being scored. And Patrick Sharp with the winning goal. Hope you can get out there, folks. Check out the website for address and information. PlaybookChicago.com. Myself. This year, man, and who knows, maybe the Dalai Lama or Miguel Gorbachev or even Lequilessa. All right. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We'll talk a Hawk victory. Big dog be good. We'll see you tonight, okay? I shall. God bless. Thanks for listening, everybody. 10 o'clock tomorrow. Don't be late.